All right, more often than not, it's not good to be thought of really as a child or as acting like a child. So if your sense of humor is childish, that's usually not viewed as a good thing. Uh, you know, it's, it's a bit of immaturity. If, you're, you throw, if you have a temper like a child, not usually a good thing. We don't usually look at a child and go, man, that's how you should act, right? And uh, unfortunately, I, I have to admit, I have some childlike tendencies, uh, it, working on them, God's sanctifying me through them, but my, when my temper gets the best of me, I, I can be very childlike. I'll give you an example, uh, and it can be over some really dumb stuff. Like, you, you see kids get upset over the dumbest things. You're like, why would you do that? So uh, I went to Sonic, and I love cherry limeades. Love cherry limeades. The problem with Sonic cherry limeades is they come in a styrofoam cup. And uh, I, I dropped... My, my cup, but it landed up just fine. I was in my car. We were pulling away. I've got the whole family in the car, keep in mind here. And I pick my cup up, and I, I'm like, oh, sweet. It landed straight up and down, no spillage. And I go to take a drink, but what had happened was there had been some gravel on the floor of my car, and it had pierced the bottom of that cup. And so when I go to take a drink, there's just cherry limeade spilling all over me. And so, like a child, I opened the door and I slammed that cherry limeade down on the pavement as hard as my, I could. And my wife is looking at me like, why are you acting like a child over this? Like, this is not a good thing to do. And I've got, unfortunately, many stories. Like I said, God is sanctifying me and maturing me. But normally, we don't look at a child and go, you should act like that child. But today, Jesus is going to do just that. He's going to bring a children forth, and He's going to say, you should be like these children. In fact, it's very important that we are like these children. Let's open up to Mark 10, 13-15. Or 16, rather. Mark 10, 13-16. It says, And they were bringing children to Him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So here we have Jesus. Jesus is, of course, very busy. His popularity is growing. People are coming to Him from all around. And there's always going to be someone there who needs to be ministered to. There's someone who needs to be healed of sickness. There's someone who needs to have a demon cast out of them. There are people who need to hear God's Word preached to be delivered. There are Pharisees who need to be rebuked. Jesus has all these important things going on in His life. And He's very busy. And so the disciples, somewhat understandably, because I think a lot of us view children this way, they're like, whoa, 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 we don't have time for the children to all come up here. We've got important things to do. Jesus has important things to do. And it says the disciples were rebuking people for bringing their children to Jesus. In other words, they're telling him, you are wrong for bringing these kids to Jesus. Jesus doesn't have time for this. There's more important things to do for Jesus than to be with these children. But Jesus gets indignant with them, it says. Think about that. That means Jesus is going to be visibly upset 
with how the children are being treated. Now, Jesus, unlike me and my temper, he, he doesn't get angry over childish things. He doesn't get indignant over something that's going to be unimportant. Jesus is being indignant because this is a very important thing. It is important that the children would come, could come to Him and that He could minister to them and bless them. It's extremely important. And that's, again, the opposite how we often view children, and it would have been opposite of how they viewed children back then. Children had no class. They, were, they had no power. They had no rights. They were essentially property of their parents. They didn't have any social standing. And so they would be viewed as not important. Last week, uh, Pastor Michael Davis was here preaching, uh, guest preaching from Genesis, and he was preaching on how that in the kingdom of God, in order to be great, we had to be last and be a servant of all. And that's what Jesus was teaching. And in order to illustrate what he meant, this is Jesus, in order to illustrate what he meant by being a servant to all, he brings forth a child in his illustration. He brings forth a child and says, look, if you're going to be a minister to all, to serve all, that includes a child, and he brought a child forward to, to really put an exclamation point on that. Because a child was low. A child had no status. There was nothing a child could do for you in return. And so the disciples, somewhat understandably, if you view it through that scope, are saying, whoa, 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 we don't have time for this. Jesus is far too important to be dealing with children. But Jesus stops them. He rebukes he rebukes the disciples. He becomes indignant and says, no, 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 no. Do not hinder them from coming to me. Don't stop them from coming to me. And he tells us why it's so important. He says it's because it's to people who are like children. That's who the kingdom of God belongs to. It belongs to those who will receive it like a child would receive it. That's a, a profound statement. That to receive the kingdom of God, we have to receive it like a child receives it. Because it's totally opposite of how we would receive a kingdom in this world. If you want to receive some kingdom in this world, what do you do? You get up, you earn it, you take it by force. Right? Think of those who have brought a kingdom together or have brought a country together. What do they do? They take it by force. They take it by crushing the competition, right? That's how you would gain a kingdom in this world. Or even if you want to look like economically, if you want to build a business empire, what do you do? You crush the competition. You leave them in your wake. The strong survive. The strong inherit the kingdoms of this world. They're the ones who take it, and they leave everybody else behind and in their wake. But Jesus says, if you're going to inherit, if you're going to uh, accept the, receive rather, receive the kingdom of God, that you're going to have to do it as a child would. How does a child receive a great gift? Have you ever seen how a child receives something of great value? How do they do it? Open arms, right? Lots of joy, a lot of smiles, a lot of thankfulness. What they don't do is suddenly try and earn that gift. They don't put their own parameters on how they're going to receive that gift. They just receive it on the terms 
that it was given to them. Several years ago, we got to go to Disney World, and it was a gift. It was a, the, it was a total gift from friends. Airfare, the hotel, the park passes. Jacqueline got to go to the Bippity-Boppity Boutique and pick out her princess dress and have the makeup all done and her hair done up and have pictures taken. And when you're dressed up as a princess at, at Disney World, like the princes will like literally bow to them as they're going along. This was all a gift to Jacqueline and to us. But I'm, you know, Jacqueline especially, and I'm using Jacqueline because she received the gift how she should have with thankfulness. As we're going under that sign that says, Welcome to Walt Disney World, she's just all smiles. She's enjoying the gift. She didn't get there and she wasn't like, how can we start paying these people back? Like, how do we earn this gift? No, she received the gift with great joy and with open arms. And again, not putting her own parameters on it, just receiving it as it was given to her. Because how could she ever have paid that back? She's six years old at the time. There's no way she could earn that back. And so she just received it with joyfulness. That's how a child receives something. It's much different than how adults try and receive something. You ever see an adult receive a gift? Completely, even small gifts. They're like, oh no, you shouldn't have. And oh, I'll pay you back. And it's, it's the total opposite. You don't know my dad yet. My, my dad's a giver. He's mostly a giver of food. And, and so if you're one of our neighbors, you've probably been given food by him at some point, which is great because we've just moved into a new house and it breaks the, the ice with the neighbors. Uh, but my dad will take meals to our neighbors. And one neighbor in particular showed up on our porch one day after my dad had probably brought him three or four, four meals. And he shows up and he's got a cheese pizza in his hand. And he like comes in the door, and first of all, a cheese pizza does not compare with my father's cooking. I can just tell you that much right now. But he's in there, and he gives it the, the pizza to us, and he's like, all right, we're even. There's no more, no more food. Like, what do you mean we're even? You gave us one cheese pizza, and se- like, first of all, and secondly, it was a gift. We weren't expecting you to feed us dinner. But that's how adults think. That's how adults try and receive things. Like, oh, I'm going to earn this somehow. I'm going to pay you back for the gift you have given me. But you can't do that with the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, has to be received like a child receives a gift. With joy, with open arms, without thought of, oh, I'm going to earn this and pay you back. Because that would be terrible news, truth be told, if we had to earn the kingdom of God. It would, have, it would just be, like, think, who's in charge of the kingdom of God? God, right? If we are going to earn the kingdom of God, we would have to be like God. In other words, we're going to have to be perfect and holy. Now, who amongst us can say we are perfect and holy and we've done everything the right way? Like, I know how Sunday morning goes trying to get a family to church. Like, a lot of us didn't make it here perfect this morning, right? Like, we're, we're going to church and we're messing up and not doing things right. And Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. So that would be terrible, terrible news for us if we had to earn the kingdom of God. 
If that was how we received it, was through our works, through paying God back for what He's done for us, then we're all in big trouble. That's awful, awful news because we fall short of God's glory. And if we fall short of God's glory, then how can we ever expect to earn entrance into His kingdom? But the beautiful thing is, is that's not the case. We didn't have to earn it. We didn't have to do the work. Instead, God sent His Son Jesus to do the work. Because Jesus came and He did live the perfect life. When His drink got spilled, He didn't slam the cup down and get angry. When people sinned against Him, He didn't sin back against them. He didn't lie. He didn't steal. He didn't covet things. He lived a perfect life. He did the work for us. Ultimately, He did the work for us on the cross. Because it says the wages of sin is death. That was the death we deserved. Instead, Jesus took it on the cross for our sins. So that if we place our faith in Him, we are forgiven. Not so if we do enough good things, we're forgiven. Not if so, you know, I say a certain prayer and I give enough to the church and I am nice to my neighbors, I get forgiven that way. No, we are forgiven when we place our faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross. That's what it means to receive it. We totally give up trying to earn it on our own. We place our faith in Jesus and what He has done. We cease from working, and instead we just receive. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing we should dwell on that should drive us to thankfulness, and it should drive us to, to want to do good things to do the works of God, but out of a result of being thankful, not out of trying to earn our way into God's kingdom. Because it would have been impossible for us to do so. But what was impossible for us was made possible by what Jesus did on the cross. So we get to dwell on that and be thankful for it. And it's great, great news that in order to get the kingdom of God, we have to receive it instead of earn it. Now, after Jesus has told this to his disciples, he then takes those children. And it says he takes them into his arms. And he blesses them. And he lays his hands on them. What a beautiful thing that is. That he, amongst all the busyness going on, all the things that he has to do. Remember, Jesus, the Son of God, could have come down and he could have surrounded himself with everybody who was really important in society's eyes. He could have surrounded himself by the rich. He could have surrounded himself with the ruling class. He could have had them serving him because he's the Son of God. But instead, what he does is he's sitting and bringing children to him who can do Nothing for him. Who won't increase his social status. They won't be able to pay him back for what he's doing. And yet, that's who he's spending time with. That's who he's sitting with right now in this passage and hugging and praying for and laying his hands on. The children. What a lesson that is for us. I have to admit that you know, as I'm, this is one of those sermons like as I, I'm prepping it, I'm repenting as I'm prepping it. Because how many times have I and how many times have we 
not had time for our kids. We viewed it as like, guys, I just don't have time for you right now. I've got to get this done and I've got to get that done. And how many times have we stood in the way of our children coming to Jesus and going to Him and knowing Him? You know, like I said, there, there's been times where I, I know that I'm just like, oh man, I've got this going on, I've got that going on, and I don't stop to love my children and to show them God's love through how I am loving them. But you know what? Here's the truth. That as a parent, nothing is more important than that. That anything I do for my kids, anything else will fall short of the importance of me bringing them to Jesus. Of teaching them about Him. Of teaching them God's Word that is what's most important as a parent. You know, I'm really not all that concerned with what they do for a career later on. I mean, I'm concerned that they have a job. I don't want them, you know, in my house till they're 35 and playing video games. I don't want that. But what they choose to do for a career is so far in second place of them coming to faith in Jesus that it's 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 ridiculous that I ever worry more about that then I worry about, am I teaching my children about Jesus? Am I teaching them the Gospel? And before I lose those of you who are not parents in here, you guys, let me tell you, you're not off the hook. You're not. Because you're part of this church. And when you're part of Restoration Road, you, there are all sorts of children running around in here who are looking at you and see you, and they see how you worship Jesus, and they see how you love others, and they see how you love them. You know, when we, a member of our church has a baby, what do they do? They bring them up here for a baby dedication. And part of that baby dedication is the parents standing up here and saying, we are committed to raising our children to know Jesus. We are committed to teaching them God's Word. We are committed to sharing the Gospel with them so that they know Jesus. But the other part of that dedication is that we as the church commit to coming alongside of them and helping them raise their children, love their children, be an example of who Jesus is to their children so that we don't stand in their way either, so that we don't hinder them from coming to Jesus. Jesus said that this was so serious that it would be better for someone who causes one of the little ones who believes in Him to sin. It would be better for them to have a millstone around their neck and for them to be cast into the sea. That's serious. The children's ministry team just went, ooh, really? that's, That's what I signed up for? Thank you guys, though. For signing up for that. I, I want to take this a moment here to really thank everyone involved in our children's ministry. Because what you do is so important. It's such an important part of the life of our church that our children have a place to go and to hear the gospel and to see that it's not just their parents who love Jesus, but there's other men and women who love Jesus and are laying down their lives to serve Him and to serve His church. That's an incredibly important thing to do. So thank you so much to those of you who do that week in and week out. Absolutely. But even if you're not a part of the children's ministry, you kind of are. Because they see you. Every week they see you here. 
They see how you act. They see how I act. And so it's very important that we remember how important Jesus said it was. This is vital. We can't view children as less important or secondary. We have to view them as, very, as, as vitally important to the life of this church and to the life of the church as a whole. And so let's really commit to doing that going forward. As a parent, one way we can really do this is make sure that we're praying with our kids. Pray with them. Every night, Sarah and I pray with our children. We sit them down. We've taught them how to pray. It doesn't go great at first. They're praying for all sorts of crazy things. They pray for the same thing like five times in a row. Like, eh, this prayer isn't getting anywhere. But stick with it. Keep teaching them how to pray because that's bringing them right to Jesus. That they know that they can cry out to Him and that He will hear them and answer their prayers is so important. So be praying with them. Get through those, those beginning prayers that you're like, oh man, get through them because suddenly it'll hit them. And they'll be sitting there and they'll start praying and you're like, wow, you have been paying attention. Wow, I can't believe that prayer is coming out of my five or six-year-old's mouth. It's a great, wonderful thing. Pray with them nightly. Make sure that that is a central theme in their life. Read the Bible with them. Now, I'm not saying jump right into Romans and you know, start going through some of the most complex theological stuff. You'll lose them real fast. But you know what? There are great resources out there for, young, for younger kids who, who aren't ready to read the Bible on their own like that necessarily. Uh, there's the Jesus Storybook Bible. That's one we've always pushed from the beginning of this church because it's got great illustrations, which always helps, but it's also so theologically sound and it helps the children see how the Bible is always pointing to Jesus. And it teaches them great truths about Jesus. It brings them to Him. You can, there are great children's devotionals out there. There's one that I can't believe I'm about to admit that we've been using because it's called, I think it's the God's Little Princess Bedtime Devotional. <laughs> and the, the title of it alone was enough for me to be like, we are, there's no way we're doing this thing. But you know what? You open it up and it gives the kids, there's a short passage of Scripture in there. And uh, it tells, they read that Scripture tells them how to apply it to their lives, and then it helps them pray through that Scripture. And it's, it's something that our kids know, and now that Jacqueline's older, you'll see her just grab the Bible and just start reading the Bible. And sometimes she's like, I don't really know what that's saying. But she realizes the value of being in God's Word and what it means for her life. So please, pray with your kids. Read the Bible with your kids. And share the Gospel with your kids. You know, kids are really easy to share the gospel with because the gospel is all about forgiveness. And children need a lot of forgiveness because they mess up a lot, right? They're kids. They're going to do that. It says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. It doesn't take too long being a parent to realize that's true. But those times where they are sinning, where they are messing up, over and over, it's a wonderful opportunity for you as a parent to share the Gospel with them. To extend forgiveness to them. To tell them that, you know what? Yeah, you did mess up. 
But the wonderful thing is that even though we've messed up here, that God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for when we mess up, for when we sin. And that if you have faith in Him, then your sins can be, will be forgiven. There's so many opportunities to share the Gospel and to apply it to their lives. Please be doing that repeatedly. And in our own lives, let us strive to be childlike in attitude towards God and how we receive the things of God. That starts with if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, if you're still trying to earn your way into God's kingdom, stop. Stop. It starts with receiving God's kingdom by placing your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. I know that's not easy to do because I used to try and earn my way. And in fact, I pretty much convinced myself I'd earn my way into heaven because I was a pretty good guy. I did more good things than bad things. I was good. I've earned my way. But that's not how you receive forgiveness. You receive forgiveness by placing your faith in Jesus and His work on the cross, His death, His resurrection. That's how we receive the kingdom of God. And so that's where it has to start. And for those of us whose faith has been in Jesus for a long time, it's still important that we are childlike in this area. You know, there's a lot of places in Scripture where we're called to be mature, and we should be mature. We should be mature in knowing God. We should be mature in how we treat each other. We should be mature in fighting sin. But when it comes to our view of the Gospel, let us strive to continually be childlike in receiving it each day because there's a temptation to after we've come to faith in jesus decide that we somehow have earned it that god chose to forgive us because we were somehow better than other people and we almost twist it afterwards we start to view it like an adult would view something a gift right we need to pay this back somehow some way and earn it But if you start viewing the gospel that way, you're going to be robbed of the joy of the gospel. Because you can't earn it. You still cannot earn it. Even after you've come to faith in Jesus, it's not like we suddenly now earn our salvation or that we ever earned it. And when we mess up as we are going to do, and when we sin, then we're going to be less likely to view the gospel as a good thing because we've been... Viewing it as an adult views it. Viewing it as I've, had to, I've earned this somehow and now I've unearned it. That robs us of the joy of the Gospel. The joy that our sins are forgiven not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus did. So let us continually try to be childlike in that way. Dwell on the fact that we are like children. That we couldn't do it on our own. We couldn't save ourselves. We needed a loving Father to reach down and save us. And He did that by sending His Son Jesus to die on the cross so that we could receive the kingdom of God.